How busy are you? I used to get behind a lady about every morning a few years ago going to work. Sun visor down, looking in the mirror, putting on lipstick and talking on the phone at the same time. Uh, we live in a busy world. We run here and we run there. If you've got children, that's especially true. Uh, home uh, TV's going probably. The stereo of the kids may be blasting. and One may be doing this and one may be doing that. And, you know, as we look at that, I guess that's just normal activity in our daily lives, isn't it? But our, our world is a busy world, and it's filled with, uh, with gadgets and with tools that the design of them to make life better. But sometimes I think some of them may take away from the quality of life that we ought to have. But in all of these busy times, and, and sometimes we'll hear Matthew say, you know, uh, it's a real busy time. It gets toward the end of the school year and they're trying to tidy up everything, get everything prepared for close down. And then it gets busy again when it comes time to open back up. Uh, same thing's true with our work. We're busy. We're, we're busy doing this. Uh, we have our plans for today. We have our plans for tomorrow. And we have our plans for six months down the road, and it's good to plan. But sometimes I wonder if we don't get just a little bit too busy. But in the, the hubbub and the noise and the busyness, it's very easy for us to lose track of God. In fact, a lot of the background noise that we have in life, the television, the satellite, whatever it may be, uh, the telephones and the video games and all those sorts of things, a lot of times they are distractors and they take our attention away from God. So God gets lost a lot of times in the noise of human living. So that's why God, I think, by the psalmist, asked us in the reading that Caleb read just a few moments ago from Psalm 46, verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So in that writing... God asks us to stop, to cease our efforts, and to come to know him as God. You know, people today are not used to being still. I guess when I was a little kid, I was fidgety too. <laughs> Sometimes we say our children can't be still. Sometimes we as adults can't be still. But God says, be still and know that I am God. 
most of us, I guess, in this auditorium were raised pretty much after World War II. And because we fall in that generation, and then, of course, the generations that come after us, we're inundated with technology, with information, and just generally noise. And all of this has conditioned many to constant input and activity. But to know God, we need to stop sometime our busyness and come to see Him. So, what does stillness do for us? The psalmist said, Be still and know that I am God. Four points to our lesson tonight. Number one, in the time of stillness, we face life. Now, there are a lot of people in this old world that don't want to be still because they slow down, and when they do, they begin to think about their life. They realize that all the gadgets and, and the toys that are around and the careers and the families don't lead to a satisfied happiness. So in that stillness, we come to face ourselves. And in the silence, we realize, I think, that we need someone bigger than we are to direct our lives. Jeremiah, the long ago in chapter 10, verse 23, said, Man cannot direct his own footsteps. We need help. So in the silence and solitude, in the stillness, if you will, we face ourselves and we find our need for help, especially the help that God can give. Now when you think about that just a little bit, it's probably why God commanded the Israelites under the law of Moses to keep the Sabbath. In Exodus chapter 35, Verses 2 and 3, the Bible says, For six days work may be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a holy day, a Sabbath of complete rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall not kindle a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. God wanted the Jews to stop once every week and think about God, not about doing their work. He gave them six days to do their work, but on the seventh day, they were to rest. And you know, if you remember in the reading of that verse, God's pretty strict about that, wasn't he? Whoever does any work on the Sabbath shall be put to death, he said. So 
So he wanted them to stop and to realize that life wasn't about the busyness that goes on day by day. But life was about God. Now we realize we have to make a living. But making a living should never interfere with our seeing the need of God in our lives. So on this Sabbath day, he wanted them to rest and he wanted them to meditate on God's rules for them in their own lives. Now when we come to the New Testament in Colossians chapter 2 verses 14 to 17, we see that we do not live under that law. So that commandment of remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy that was given in Exodus 20 is not binding upon us today because Christ died and took the law out of the way. But you know the principle of being still and contemplating our lives is still valid today. And we can say that because of the pattern that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ left us. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, And in the early morning, while it was still dark, he arose and went out and departed to a desert or a lonely place and was praying there. Jesus knew the value of silence and solitude. He knew the value of stillness. But instead of being afraid of the quiet, Jesus embraced it and he used it as an opportunity to come to know his Father better. Now this was not a Sabbath rest that Jesus was observing. But it was just a pattern that the Lord used throughout his life. If you turn to Luke chapter 6 and verse 12, the Bible says, and it was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray and he spent the whole night in prayer. Jesus often left the disciples and went to be alone with his father in these deserted or lonely places. I believe our Lord learned the value of being still and coming to know God. Secondly, in our stillness, we face our insufficiency. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold, the psalmist said in Psalm 46 and verse 11. When we are surrounded by stillness, we realize really just how fragile we are as human beings. We come to know our weaknesses and we come to know our shortcomings. I think perhaps many people stay busy and overstimulated with noise 
so that they can avoid the emptiness that may be in their lives and to avoid facing themselves. No matter how much you have or how busy you may be, there is a realization that life is still not all you want. So it's at this point where God comes in. Stillness reminds us that in spite of our accomplishments or the successes that we may have had in life, we're still insufficient. It's kind of like the idea that Paul gives us in Romans 3 and verse 23 when he said, For we all sin and come short of the glory of God. None of us have reached the state of perfection that we desire. So God calls us to stop and to consider our situation, to realize our weaknesses and to know that we do not have the answers or the resources that we need to bring us to that place we need to be and we don't have the ability to save ourselves. So that stillness or that silence forces us to face our need for God. In Luke 17 and verse 10, Jesus said, So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded, you say, We are unworthy servants. Some translations use the word slaves. We are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. So in our, in our still time, in, in our silent time, in the quiet moments that we take, we face the fact of our insufficiency. We're just unprofitable servants, I believe the King James Version uses in that passage. We can't do enough to please God. We can't be good enough to keep God pleased. We're not able to control our lives completely, let alone satisfy God with the way that we perform in life. And that's if we've done everything perfectly, which we can't do. So with sin in our lives, we face our need for God and for the salvation that comes only through Jesus Christ our Lord. Acts 4 verse 12. Paul, when he wrote the Ephesian letter in chapter 2 and verse 8 said, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. When we step back and we look at our own lives, we come to understand better than ever how much we depend on God. Our lives and our salvation is not of ourselves, Paul says in that passage, but it is a gift from God. 
All that we have, all that we enjoy, all the good that we experience in this life is not from us, but it's from God. All that we enjoy in life, every blessing we have comes from the God who made us. But sometimes in in the activities of life, we, we make ourselves think behind the success that we've experienced, we're responsible for that. You know, we, we, uh, we made ourselves successful. We've earned what we have. Have we? Well, we may have worked hard, and that's part of what we need to be doing. But in the quiet meditation before God, we face the fact that we, what we have is not based on how good we are or how important we are or how valuable we may think we are. But it's based on the grace of God, his gifts to us. You know, if we look back... Uh, in the Bible, Jesus, I believe it's in Luke 12, tells us about the rich farmer. He had all of these wonderful blessings. His crops were uh, bountiful. They really produced good. He didn't have the space to store it. Uh, you know, I'll turn down my barns and I'll build bigger barns. And I'll say to myself, uh, you know, eat, drink, be merry. You've accomplished a whole lot. But what did God call it? A fool, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, and then whose will these things be? We are what we are because God allowed us to be. And spiritually, if we are to be saved, we will be saved by the grace of God through faith. And that faith is that which leads us to obey. As we studied in our lesson this morning, God speaks, we hear, and we respond. If we fail to respond, we do not receive the blessing of salvation that God has promised. But stillness takes us even deeper into our weaknesses. Looking at our lives after we have become Christians, we realize that we're not perfect. We fail sometimes. And in our quiet times with God, we know what keeps us saved. Not we ourselves. But listen to what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, that's the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. 
Paul says God has sealed us in him to his praise. He did that, not us. He saved us and he keeps us saved. So in quiet moments between God and me and God and you alone, you face this fact. God is the source of our salvation. And it comes in no other way. Point number three, in our stillness, we come to know God. Back to the text of Psalm 46, verse 10 and 11. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. So we see number one point in our quiet time. We face ourselves and our human nature with all of its frailty. Number two, in our quiet moments, we face our insufficiency, our total dependence on God for salvation. And number three, in those still times before the Lord, we come to know him and his power better. The psalmist said, God is our stronghold. God is the God of Jacob, he said in that passage. This is not some ordinary God that we serve, but he is the God who is the great I am of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God we're talking about is the God who parted the Red Sea and the Israelites went out of Egypt on dry ground toward the land of promise. The God we're talking about in our own lives is the God who pulled Daniel out of the lion's den in the book of Daniel. This is the God of Jesus Christ who empowered Christ and raised Christ from the dead. So in our quiet moments of time with God, we come to realize the greatness and the power of the God we serve. But you know, we're taught to fear God, not in the context of how we may fear a robber or whatever it may be, but to respect God and to honor him because he is God. But you know, in our time of stillness, when we meditate on this powerful, great God, God's love becomes more personal and more powerful as well. It may very well have been in the quiet moments of a dark night that the psalmist recorded the words of Psalm 8, verses 3 and 5. When I consider thy heavens, 
the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou dost take thought of him? Or as one version says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou dost care for him, yet thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and dost crown him with glory and majesty. Now as David wrote those words, he was moved not just by God's power, but he was moved by the, the attention that God gave to man. Go back to Genesis 1, God created man. Chapter 2, he created man from the dust of the earth, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. Later on, he saw it wasn't good for man to be alone, so he created a woman, taking the rib from the side of the man, and made Eve. We are God's creation. And maybe John was thinking about the psalmist's recognition of God in Psalm 8 when he recorded 1 John 3, 1. See how great a love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God, and such we are. So in silence before our Lord, the creator of heaven and earth and man, we come to know his love for us more than at any other time. For God so loved the world. We can say, for God so loved me. Put your name in there. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Fourth and final point of our lesson tonight, the quiet times changes men. When Saul was confronted by the risen Christ in the book of Acts in chapter 9, verse 9 says, he spent three days without sight and without food or drink. I'd call that a quiet time, wouldn't you? A still time. In that time, without any kind of distractions of daily living, Saul faced himself. I'm sure as he thought during those days, he was recalling the experience that brought him there without sight. And then I'm sure he was thinking about what he had done previous to that in persecuting Christians. But in these three days, it seems that he came to a point of faith in Jesus now believing in the one that he had so severely persecuted. So he came to reject his former life of legalism, that is, his addiction to the law that he believed in. 
Now, later on in his writings, he'll say that what he practiced, he did it in good conscience, which tells us we better watch our conscience sometime, doesn't it? Wasn't right, and Paul admitted that. He accepted his need for salvation that could come only through the Lord. So when Ananias arrived, Saul had been told that Ananias will come to you and he'll tell you what you need to do. So when Ananias came to him, Saul was immediately baptized into Christ to have his sins washed away. Chapter 22 of Acts and verse 16, And now why tarriest thou, arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Hence, we have Saul on the road to Damascus, a quiet and still time during those three days, and a recognition that there needs to be a change in my life. I shouldn't be doing what I've been doing. I need to be serving the Savior. So he changed. And he was baptized for the remission of his sins. When Peter denied Jesus, Luke chapter 22 and verse 61 says, the Lord looked directly at Peter. And of course, when Jesus looked at Peter after his denial, he remembered the, that is, Peter remembered the prediction that Jesus had made concerning him that he would deny. And chapter 22 and verse 62 says that Peter went out and wept bitterly. I imagine he was by himself. The scriptures doesn't tell us that, but it doesn't tell us that he was in the presence of anyone either. But don't you imagine just the feeling that Peter had when the Lord looked at him and Peter looked at the Lord, he knew immediately what he'd done. And he went out and wept bitterly. Those quiet moments of despair and tears, Peter came to realize his sin. Well, when Jesus restored Peter following the resurrection, it's no wonder that about the first 12 chapters of the book of Acts show us Peter's work. The great apostle that he was in proclaiming the gospel to the Jewish nation. In his alone moments, he had faced his sins and he had come to repentance. Quiet times changes men. You know, Satan probably would like for all of us to stay busy, to be consumed with all of the hubbub of everyday living. If he can keep us distracted and filled with the clutter of all of the noise of the world, he can keep us from knowing God. But in stillness, we can see ourselves. We can face our need for God. We can know our God more fully. 
and more importantly, we can see the need for salvation and the changes that need to be made in our lives. Quiet time changes man before God and you can count on it that the devil will fight that with all his might. So, be still and know that I am God. Do you take quiet time to know God? Do you ever turn off everything and just meditate on God and his will for your life? Is there a time of quiet contemplation without a television or without a stereo blasting or, or without uh, the playing of all the games we may play and all that sort of thing? Computers filling our eyes and ears with things like that. Well, if you want to know God better, if you want to know yourself before God better, then be still and know that I am God. Tonight, if it's your lot that you need to make a change, you've never been obedient to the gospel of Christ and you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins, we pray you do that. Or if as a child of God you've let the Busyness of this world interfere with your relationship with God and the things you need to be doing in his kingdom as his children. Tonight, if you have a need of coming back to God and confessing error, then we'd pray you'd do that. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand and as we sing.